Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Heart and Hand Extra, my name's David Edgar, I'm the host of Heart and Hand and I'm here to preview the game against Dundee at Dens Park on Friday night. Joining me to help me pick through that is a long-term podder, former trust colleague of mine, Mr Stephen Smith. Hello Stephen. Hiya David, how are you? Oh, grand, grand, uh, re- ready to rock and uh, we were just discuss- Stephen and I were just discussing classic 80s rock bands, uh, including uh, Big Country, who long-term favourite of mine, as listeners will know. And uh, it's heading into to one of those kind of remote cities tomorrow evening that Big Country sang about, uh, where there are crofts and fields and all the rest of it. Actually, these days, I think, uh, Dundee, it's more just heroin and lots and lots and lots of uh, single-parent mothers but uh, not not for us to comment on Broken Britain uh, uh, at this point anyway what we need to do is, is talk a little bit about the game so Stephen um, first things first the mood in the camp this week will have been pretty low after what was a, a really really bad performance against Hamilton at the weekend Aye I mean I, th- I think what we were looking for was to, to break this three game monkey uh, and to get the monkey off our backs rather than break it, and actually, it's um, you know it, it's it's an incredible result. Bear in mind, in my view, what I thought were two fairly good. I thought it was excellent at Murrayfield, and I thought it was a reasonably good performance against Thistle. You know, scored six goals, only let one in, and that one was a was an absolutely well, outstanding yeah. kick to Kyle Lafferty. So. You know, I think I think it kind of took us a, lo- a lot of surprise. It certainly surprised me that that not only that we lost, but we lost for two nothing, and we, we were back to, you know, the repetition of some of the mistakes that have kind of characterised the worst aspects of the the Warburton Rangers team mm. and the Kashyyyk Rangers team, and that, that they haven't been ironed out. It's just utterly bizarre that we would lose to a team like Hamilton 
Uh, this three-game thing is becoming almost uh, Sisyphean because here we go again at another start of an attempt to, to roll the hill up the rock and every time we seem to be getting close to our destination, something happens and, and it rolls back down again. And there is almost that feel going into this game of, right, we need to just get you know the sleeve rolled up and get dug in. And strangely, in most Rangers teams in my lifetime, the home form has generally been better than the away form. I, I, maybe there are stats. I, I'm going on, on anecdotal and, and gut feeling here. But certainly over the years, when you're expecting Rangers to maybe drop points and not do so well in terms of, of the, the performance in the league, it has generally been away games. But strangely, I don't fear trips anywhere near as much as I'm beginning to, to panic about home matches because our record on the road is really good. At home, though, it's deplorable. Aye, it's, it's inexplicable and I noticed that Graham Murphy was saying that we need to move heaven and earth to get back to a situation where Ibrooks is seen as a fortress and and he's right in this sense I mean it's a statement of the obvious but he is nevertheless right David that, mm. that you know it's a great crowd we've been fantastically well supported over the last certainly over the last six years at Ibrooks when, when the team basically hasn't merited that kind of support in terms of what they've delivered on the field so the support have done their bit and it's time for the team to step up and recognise that because you hear from most players it's great to come and play in front of 50,000 fans every second week, etc, etc. Well, they need to actually show uh, there has to be that kind of reciprocal arrangement where the fans will get excited and involved if the team are showing effort and a little bit of application and a little bit of creativity. It's not just going to happen. You know, We're not just going to you know, unilaterally stand there and cheer when the, when, when the, the team don't merit it that doesn't it? that's just not the real world so Rangers need to up the game considerably and we do need to get back to a situation where Ibrox is a place that teams don't like to come and they worry about coming in you know because what they're doing is they're coming in and thinking if we can keep this lot quiet for the first half hour 35 minutes or so and then nurse the game till half time their crowd will get on their back and all the rest of it you know so it, it isn't a place I think that mid-level teams fear coming to and we have to get that back again it's an anti-Boz uncle situation, but you know if we had seven points more from those home games, and we absolutely should when you look at the run of fixtures, uh, the sense of panic round us would be considerably less because those those are the points that are hurting us. Our away form, although you know there's been the odd disappointing result, I think Partick away, uh, the two each game was was one, but overall the the teams managed to pick up results and, and face adversity. I'm thinking of certain matches like Ross County where they, they you know, the teams would come back at them into a game and in, in obviously Murrayfield where we fell behind. Yep. And the team have showed a, a resolve that doesn't seem to be matched at, at Ibrox. So we're going up to Dens Park. Never never an easy place for us. And uh, it was, uh, we'll all remember last season, of course, it was the scene of the memorable, uh, uh, for the wrong reasons, Graham Murty headstand. And one of the worst performances um, I've seen from a Rangers side. And, and there's been a few contenders over the last few years, obviously. But uh, physically bullied by a, a very poor Dundee side that day. Never looked like getting anything from the match. Certainly couldn't claim to, at any point, have deserved to take anything from the match. We were well soundly beaten by a team who looked bigger, fitter, stronger, hungrier, more aggressive. Um, it was a really, a really, really kind of disarming day to be a Rangers fan. And we're going up there, though, with Dundee... And well, it's difficult to say because they ended a five-game losing streak 
uh, in the league with a 0-0 draw at home to Kilmarnock at the weekend. And mm. on the one hand, you would say, well, you know, maybe they would try and argue, well, that's us ended this this terrible run and we're on the up. So maybe the mood in their camp will be a bit lighter. They got a clean sheet, of course, and that's always good for a team that's been losing. But they are right. bottom of the league. They have taken one point out of the previous 18 the other side of that is it's almost a free hit for them. I genuinely can't think of many teams they would rather play in this situation because at the moment for them when they play, especially at home, their fans are on them due to their very poor performances. That's unlikely to be the case tomorrow night unless we come out and hit three goals there, you know, very quickly and put the game to bed. Their fans are going to be getting behind them and it's almost like one of the few times for a team in that position where they'll be playing a side who have more pressure on them than this team who are on this you know, terrible run of form will, will have normally? Well, I think that's the case with a lot. I think the only thing better for teams looking to play Rangers uh, this season is that, that would have been for them to be playing as last season when we were there to be beaten in, these, in exactly these circumstances. And you're right, it takes that there's no expectation amongst the fans of teams like Hamilton and Kilmarnock and you know, and even Motherwell, I would argue that that they're going to uh, they're going to batter Rangers regardless of where they are on the table. And any victory against us is to be savoured in the sweet. And you know, if not, then they'll walk away and go, oh, "Well, it was Rangers, you know, so well mm. we didn't beat them." But of course, their, their boys will support them then. And I'm I'll just try to think back. I think we played them in the second week in September at Ibrooks, and uh, and it was a really good, interesting game. And I think Dundee had a couple of really good chances before we got on the score sheet. No, we were, uh, we, we, won, we took the lead. It's close as we won four one. We took the lead in the first half. Uh, start of second half, however, Dundee came out dominated for fifteen minutes, made two clear cut chances. One uh, in particular, that's what's sticking in my memory. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a miss of the miss of the season candidate uh, from the striker with a header that he, he, it was easier to score. We then have gone up the park, scored a very good goal from Josh Windass, and went on to to win four one very easily. But uh, you know, there was that fifteen minute period where it could have gone either way, and, and they could argue that because apparently you can argue a seven one game could have gone either way from what. Uh, from what I read in the newspapers these days, so um, it, 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really matter what the score is, as long as you get in the score sheet at some point. Uh, you can even if you become the first team in the world to score a consolation goal in the opening minute, um, you can do that. So uh, uh, yeah, so we, we needed to be. Oh, what you about there, David? No, 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 no. It's just random thoughts, Stephen. I apologise to to the listeners for blethering, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we're going into this match. As I say, they're not confident. We're not confident. Uh, you would argue that in real terms they obviously have more to lose because they desperately need points to ensure their survival but the the reality of the situation, the real politic of the situation is that um, Rangers will be the team that everyone is looking at, Dundee will not have that level of expectation upon them that they normally would Um, Going into a couple of interesting uh, bits of team news uh, Rangers carrying a couple of doubts, Bruno Alves uh, and I want to talk about him uh, a little bit more before we we move on to to the other uh, injury news, the the point of Bruno Alves is there were reports in the Sun who corrected it later that day 
that, okay. he, that he had refused to be on the bench against um, uh, against Hamilton at the weekend, which they later corrected and said wasn't true. And Graham Murty in his press conference uh, before this match uh, against Dundee said that it absolutely wasn't true, that one paper has apologised and the, the, the club are... Um, pursuing the other newspaper to apologise. What's your thought on that situation? And if he's fit, will he or should he be going back into the side? So two two separate issues. First of all, I think anybody that believes a single word that the Sun Prince needs to have the bumps in their head felt uh, and submit themselves to a psychological examination because it's a, you know, it's a cancerous rag. But I think it's really interesting there. And the other newspaper you're talking about, you know... Let me take a guess at the daily record being the, uh, being the other culprit. Um, and my understanding, having checked, having checked with a pal quite recently, just this afternoon, is they still haven't apologised for what is a factual error, you know, and a deliberate one because it's an attempt to unsettle the player. Uh, basically, how you know, how dare I'm not playing because you know, and, and actually, were it the case that Danny Wilson was getting selected ahead of them, then you know, I could understand it. But if he's got a legitimate injury and he does. Uh, and I know a number of people were having uh, that conversation with him. I understand that Rangers charity ball this last weekend where he confirmed the back injury. So you do wonder if the record is reduced to trolling Rangers and the Rangers support now uh, to, to kind of shore up its its failing commercial position. And again, any Rangers fan that buys either the Sun or Daily Record really ought to be having a, a, a word with himself. Uh, in the mirror, uh, is it legit? Well, you know, we'll, we'll never know. A back injury is one of those things that you know you, you can't, can't quantify. Yeah, um, can't it's very, very difficult to prove. But you know, I suspect it's legitimate. And I, I, I apply Occam's razor, David. The simplest explanation is the most plausible one, and usually the one to, to be relied on. And he will have a back injury. So you but, know, if and when he gets back, that's great. But I'd like to see him, him and McCrory being our starting back too the thing that impressed me about McCrory last week was after a terrible it really was a terrible error I mean you shouldn't be attacking back passes from the opposition half in my opinion ever anytime no matter who you are or who you play for it just it's not something to do there's um, especially not when it's nil-nil and you're Rangers and you're trying to push for a goal so just a bad decision but he didn't let it affect him he could have he didn't go to pieces uh, it is no. impressive so for you if Alves is fit it's Wilson who drops out aye absolutely I think and that, actually, uh, reluctantly, David, yeah, not, uh, not on the, the basis of his actual form, because I think, to be fair to Danny Wilson, which not a lot of people are, he has played well since he's come in for Murty, but there's not a lot of people can say, having played on Saturday, that you know that, that, that the team played well. It was a pretty poor, as you say, a pretty poor performance. But on, on form and on quality, you'd be expecting Alves to come in. Uh, it might be a bit harsh on Wilson, and I'm wondering whether we might want to think uh, playing a three at the back here and pushing uh, pushing our two nominal fullbacks a wee bit further forward. But you know that's another conversation. Well, the the other thing that uh, the other main injury doubt is Lee Hodgson, who had played I, I thought exceptionally poorly at left back last week. Uh, he looked mm. terrified, and for me. Hodson is being picked on his experience ahead of um, young Beerman, who I think is a, a, in that role has more ability. Who, of course, hasn't been seen after uh, that mauling we took it from from Celtic at Ibrox at the end of last season, and that's a concern with with a young 
youngster like McCrory that when they can make a big mistake as, as he did in that match with the early penalty that it can affect him so we don't know if it's maybe a case of mentally that Graham Murray doesn't feel he's ready but um, I think all things being equal if, if Hodson doesn't make it you would expect Beerman to step in and uh, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing given the form that Hodson's been in and the fact that he simply isn't a left back he looks like a right back playing at left back and yeah. You know, that's okay when you're confident and the team's playing well. You can kind of get away with that. But when a guy's got no confidence and he's being shipped onto his wrong side, I think that you see what happened uh, last week with Odson. So if he doesn't make it, it might turn out to be a blessing in disguise, although obviously we we always hope every Rangers player is is fit. Speaking of of which, he also uh, spoke about uh, Graham Dorans, Lee Wallace, and uh, this Graham Motti, Graham Dorans, Lee Wallace, and Jordan Rossiter. Uh, still nothing concrete on on Wallace or Rossiter, although we we've been told to expect Dorans. Um, he's progressing uh, as per normal. It, it must be frustrating for a manager to have an option like Jordan Rossiter, but but not ever be able to kind of even pencil him into your thinking. And it, it must make it difficult to plan round how you reintroduce him. That the fact that there's very rarely a time where you can say. With the likes of Doran's injury, he's got this injury, he will be out for X amount of weeks, and the medical team say, yep, he's progressing, he'll be back then. You can start to plan for how you're going to reintroduce him. You don't really have that option with Rossiter. No, I think we're as well planning to have Eden Hazard in our midfield, David, because it's, he's as likely to show up there as Jordan Rossiter is, who appears to be made of balsa wood and glass in terms of his kind of appearance record and I think that's been a huge disappointment to a number of people I remember a colleague of mine who's a Liverpool fan said that's a wonderful signing he'll do a great job for you etc etc and you know what's what's he played for us this, this year has he played 90 minutes for us this year I'm not uh, even sure he has he's as close to being a hypothetical player as as is you know as is possible out, out with the confines of playing in the game in a, in a PS4 so we have to think about what we what we have and Dorans again you know well you know I'm, I'm pleased that there is at least a legitimate reason for him not being there and then we can hope for effectively another opportunity to see the player that we thought we had bought in the close season because he hasn't to be fair to, uh, to be fair to everybody has not demonstrated that ability that I and you know he has mm. Uh, the centre range is midfield. He should be running games up here. He should be ab- absolutely dominating games. He's got the class, the ability, but hasn't shown it uh, and needs to. Yeah, I, I, I think we've seen signs of it. I mean, I, I think there were certain matches, St Johnston away in particular. I thought he was getting uh, to that level. Where I think it, it's been noticeable, um, there are certain things that. You know, you you don't know till they're not there. And in Doran's cases, I think that he does have a bit of leadership about him that we saw in the second half that the team was almost entirely devoid of. Now, speaking of which, that performance last week prompted some questions about Kenny Miller. Um, that I think a lot of fans felt that he'd returned to the sort of um, yeah running about, chasing the ball as opposed to playing up front and and making making runs and and working the channels and and doing damage. Um, yep. We are a little short in options. The options are Nico Cranchar, who has been returning from fitness. I don't think at any point this season has looked anywhere close to full fitness. Um, mm. Came on against Thistle and was was really really poor. Uh, but there is obviously talent there. Uh, might be better harnessed half an hour from the bench. I don't know, but I thought maybe it was telling that that even chasing a goal last week, Murty chose not to bring him on. 
you could argue then why is he on the bench but I think that it's not as if that, that he's keeping off uh, a number of players from there so the, the options for change are a little limited and I noticed Graham Marty spoke about Alfredo Morelos who I thought played very well last week apart from scoring a goal and I think some people had maybe misinterpreted what we'd said on the pod where we said he shit mm. out of form he shit out of form in front of goal his work rate is great his movement is still excellent you know he, he is a good striker even when he's not scoring goals but last week it wasn't a case of we didn't make him a chance or you know the keepers had a great save. It was one of those days when it's a striker who is going through that black period in front of goal and he desperately needs one. I have, a, I have nothing but confidence that when he gets one, he'll go on another run. I think that it's just him getting that first goal. And Graham Marty said that you know they've been working away with him this week. He's kept his head up. He trains well, and I think that that's positive. That they've been you know letting him know that he, he still does make a contribution to the team, but that a goal will come from because he's too good a striker to you know for this to go on forever. Yeah, and I think I think you make a key point there, which is that he contributes out with just scoring goals. So unlike, let's say, Chris Boyd, who only ever contributed in terms of his goal scoring, and you might argue that's a hugely important thing to do, but Boyd would never give you anything in terms of a team performance effort, holding the ball up, bringing other players in the way Morelis does, regardless of whether he scores or not. And I agree with you. He, he, like McCrory, David, is young and ought to be mentally resilient enough to just shrug it off and say, well, another one will come the same way Ali McCoy used to do. You knew that when McCoy missed a chance, he was not kicking himself for hours and hours after that. He'd gone, oh, well, another one will come and I'll, I'll bang the next one. And, inov- and inevitably, he, he kind of did. So that's the attitude to be uh, to be supported there. But but in order to do that, you're, uh, you're right in the sense that he needs a bona fide strike partner. And Miller, if he's playing, has to play with him and as a partnership and as a pairing. You know, one makes a run, one holds a position and they try and play each other in. Uh, it ain't going to work otherwise and Kenny Miller is not with the greatest respect to him even though he's extremely fit for his age is not the kind of player that should be running across trying to play every position uh, in the last third he should be he should be remain between the goalposts or at least the area and make the kind of runs that he's in the team to do and try and that will help help Morelis because the alternative as you say is that we play Herrera the, the non-target target man and I'm not really sure that my, that Herrera and Morelos up there would be against any team, really, uh, would be wonderful because they won't win enough ball in the air. And we do insist, particularly with Alves back in the team, if he is, on punting the ball forward that way. So he has to he has to play a legitimate kind of orthodox striker's position. And he can lead the line and let Morelos play that number 10 role. I yeah, don't yeah. care how they do it, David. I thought they did I'd that against Hearts. I thought Morelos played a, deeper. A, a bona fide front two. Uh, in that situation the point about Cranchard absolutely I think the only saving grace in his regard and it's an important one is that he's the player that we have in that squad that can play that last killer pass in the last third there's that little bit of composure he doesn't have the work rate and the effort anymore and you know doesn't have the legs to cover the ground and unless you've got Dorans and Jack in that midfield I think uh, it's uh, you're taking a big risk playing Cranchard there but if you play him and as you say, you bring him on as an impact sub or for the last half hour or so, uh, searching and try, trying to chase a goal or trying to unlock a, a defence, he's as likely as anybody else. 
uh, to to do that. If I had, I'd I'd be more likely to 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 be the player that does that as well as being you know having an awesome free kick in him mm. as well. Now nothing happening on the endless uh, managerial search or what's beginning to feel like the endless managerial search. The only real development this week was uh, Aberdeen's chairman Stuart Milne issued a statement where he said that McInnes has told him that he's not going anywhere. He's very happy at Aberdeen. He wants to win things, um, sure. which some have taken to mean that. There's absolutely no chance McInnes is coming. Others have taken to mean as maybe posturing, perhaps, given that it would take a bit of negotiation. Uh, there's obviously a release fee because McInnes is under contract. What's your take on it? Well, I, I, I'm a bit of an outlier in the sense that I'm more relaxed about us not having a manager than probably about 90% of the Rangers fans who are getting more and more apoplectic as the weeks go on well, and we haven't made a substantive appointment. Well, Stephen, I, I that's, think, Stephen, that's interesting because on the pod the other night, I would say that the, the three of us were of that mm-hmm. mind. You know, we, we're in more in the why is there nothing happening here? Why is this taking so long? And beginning to, to start to worry. So, I mean, why are Aye. you thinking that way? I think it's, it's my default position, David, in the sense that I think it's absolutely crucial it's a crucial appointment. Now, you'd argue that any time you appoint a Rangers manager, it's a crucial appointment, and there is there is a weight to that argument. But at the stage we are in the financial position we are and where we are in the season, I think it's far more important we get it right than we make a hurried appointment. And obviously, we are uh, fishing in a very shallow pool at the moment because the vast majority of good coaches are already in employment, and there's an issue. It will take time to leave anybody who we target out of their job. So... I think there's a, and, and the other thing is that it can't be conducted in public by the very nature of it. We can't have a yeah, well, we've approached X, you know, who's already working somewhere because quite rightly, you know, not only would that be uh, illegal, I think Rangers would would attract a great deal of criticism for doing that. So while Murty is a good a good appointment, and up until last Saturday, you know, there was evidence that he was doing a little more than steady in the ship, you know, two, you know, a three 0 and a three one victory. The um, I think that was that put us in a reasonably good position to make the right appointment, but I understand I do understand people's frustrations in the, in the sense that we need to get a substantive body in there and see what we can salvage from the rest of the season and how that puts us in position for the next uh, for the next year. Some of the names off they say David have been mentioned, and I understand that Alec McLeish's name has has come back to the fore this week. Uh, you know, if if we wait, I'll have to say this as well: if we end up waiting three, four weeks, make and then make an appointment with Alec, Alec McLeish then, I think a substantial chunk of Rangers fans will go absolutely postal about well, something like that. The AGM is next week, and there are various schools of thought. I mean, I, I didn't believe that the board could go into the AGM without having a manager on display at it, and I, apparently it looks as though, and things could change, you know, it's a day-to-day situation, we know, things could change, but... It's likely that that won't happen. Now, if you want to look at that, it's because they're conducting the search. However, I have heard other people say it's because they don't want to have a new guy next to them who's unimpressive at the AGM and they'd rather just say, well, you're taking our time. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago at Schrodinger's appointment. Until it's made, it can either be a great appointment or a poor, you know, you can choose to say it's going to be a great appointment. Um, and, yep. the, and, and some people are worried that this delay is almost to allow for the fact that you mentioned they're a McLeish type figure that after the AGM the board don't necessarily then have that direct now the other argument about that I was going to say that that's a direct chance for the fans to feed back to them is of course on a match day that can happen but 
I just think that the longer it goes, we're coming up for, for 28 days, for four weeks, and I I think that now the fans are entitled to be expecting something to happen imminently because I think if we're getting to six, seven weeks during a season when your manager, his, nail, his jacket was on a sugarly nail before the season started because of the yeah. European results in the end of last season, to, to need six, seven weeks unless it's because you've been waiting for someone who's really top draw. And I, I do wonder if... <laughs> There are so many ways to look at it. On the one hand, the board could have a, a definite plan and be working towards it. On the other, they could know how big an appointment this is and be slightly paralysed by indecision themselves. And I suppose, you know, we, we sit here and speculate, but until the guy is in the chair, um, then it is very much you can decide how you're going to, to fit all the, the limited information and limitless possibilities together and come up with your theory. And maybe, um, maybe it is a case that, that you know, we, we certainly all have something to say the day after the guy's been, been put in the chair for the first day, I think. Aye. I mean, the, the problem is that we live in a, an age of spin where, you know, the political dishonesty that, that we have to deal on a daily basis is kind of, you know, that poisons a lot of the public dialogue and, and all sorts of things, including football. So, you know, when people say we haven't made an appointment yet or, or we're waiting or, or whatever, you know, there's always an attempt to interpret the subtext and what people said, and I, I agree with you. I think Rangers fans at this stage, David, nearly a month into the process, have a reasonable expectation that senior level person, whether it be the chairman or whoever, and the board comes out and says, we're going to appoint, make, a, make a managerial announcement within the next 10 days or what have you. And obviously they have to have contingency plans, you know, but if they're going for candidate A and they don't know whether they've secured him yet, then they have to have a backup plan because it can't be sustainable, I guess. Well, even actually, even if the backup plan is to continue with Graham Murty until, let's say, the turn of the year or given the rest of the season or whatever, they have to be open and public with it. And, and actually, the, the imminent AGM is quite significant because that's a hard stop. And I don't think, in terms of the relationship between the Rangers' support and the board, that that can be put in jeopardy or potentially jeopardised by any suggestion that the Rangers board doesn't have a club's interest and is looking to do this on the cheap and uh, bring in an appointment that's not going to be satisfactory and take us back a couple of years to a situation you know, where the club is grubbing around at a level that's not appropriate for Rangers Football Club. That's just not a sustainable position. I find interesting parallels between our appointment and Hart's appointment. Uh, especially when you, there's talk and, and you've mentioned and he's made it clear this time which he didn't before that Graham Murray's interested in the position and Hearts um, took their time and conducted interviews uh, as we know uh, famously because after conducting interviews they then decided the man for the job was the guy who had conducted the interviews in Craig yeah. Levine and because after an initial bright start similar to what Marty got sometimes as we've said before not being the previous manager is enough to, you know, if it's been an unpopular manager, not being him, uh, yep. uh, that frees up the players and they play for a couple of weeks before they sort of revert down to their level and that's when the manager's ability to improve players and motivate them, etc. comes into play. And Hearts, after an initially decent start, have had a kind of fairly sticky wicket the last few weeks. Um, yep. You can tell I've been up all night watching the Ashes. Good start for England, incidentally. Um <laughs> 
But, uh, yeah, so you can... Their fans, uh, I think that their kind of amount of pissed off has been amplified by the fact that Hearts took their time and then ended up just appointing the guy who was, you know, in the back room anyway. Um, And the fact that it's now not going well, if you like, it's almost like you revisit that and while at the time you might be able to get away with it as Hearts were, and Rangers might with Marty, and certainly probably would have been in a stronger position had he, you know, won the game on on Saturday. Um, I think that if it is a case of going this long and then ending up giving it to the guy who was there, I think that as soon as it goes badly, you've set a trap for yourself there that will always be, be something that fans can revisit and fans have got long memories. Well, David, the only way you can explain that is that we had a hiatus period where we approached various people. None of them wanted the job, so we've gone to the guy who's already on the payroll. And people, including Graham Murphy, have to say, we'll see that for what it is, which is a second, third or fourth choice. You know, put insert your own number. But the Rangers have gone to X number of, kind of more senior, more, uh, more favourably rated coaches, couldn't get them. And therefore, we're, we're going back to the guy who was who's in charge of the uh, charge of under twenty ones and the development guy. Now, I think that is interesting that he's expressed a view for the job, but they're clearly in terms of the caliber of person that's needed to rebuild the football club and take it forward. I don't think Graham Murphy ticks those boxes. No. And you can have arguments, and obviously it's down to subjective opinion about whether you think Derek McInnes is, but you can make a case. For Derek McInnes, uh, and, and I'm not a fan, but you know, if he comes, he comes uh, in a way that I don't think you can uh, for Graham uh, for Graham Murphy. I also have to say some of the names, particularly some of the Dutch names, you know, Van Bronckhorst and Koeman, what have you. I think if people are seriously floating in, then they really uh, they really need to talk, stop sniffing glue. Yeah. They get back in the real world. They just aren't operating in that kind of market. Yeah. And it also has to be said, in terms of a cold wake-up call, that if West Bromwich Albion are interested in Derek McInnes being their manager, they will throw far more money at him. Oh, God, yeah. off the pitch than we could in, in living memory, David, you know, mm. the situation that we're in just now. West Brom can outspend us by a factor of about 20 oh, God, yeah, uh, in yeah. terms of the income they have. Uh, and, you know, there would be no competition if it's, a, if it's a financial decision. We lose out every time. And we'll also lose out to half of the clubs that are in the English Championship who are all in a better financial position than Rangers are, even in a good year. So, mm. you know, that's that's the that's the paradigm we're operating in and it's extremely, you know, we have to be realistic about who who we get. It's, a, it's about matching that ambition with realism, uh, you know, because we're not going to get Mourinho or Pep or Ivan any time. But we do, there are a strata of coaches that we should be pitching at who tick the boxes and are proven winners and they might not be glamorous appointments, but, you know, they will take the club forward. Absolutely. OK, then, Stephen, well, uh, all that's left to do then is to ask you, what, what do you see happening tomorrow night? I'd like to think that we'll uh, get a result. If Dundee play as openly as they did in, uh, you know, when they came in September, I think it'll be a good game. Um, and I think the players will be looking to you know, make amends for what I thought was a pretty shabby performance on Saturday. So... My expectation is that we'll win, I'll say 2-1. I'm going to echo that. Um, if I was going to put a line on tomorrow night, I would, uh, which I will, um, I'll be going for Rangers 2-1 as well. I think that, um, that somehow 
that this team away from home they take spirit from the we know already the wonderful away support that they will have uh, on the Friday night here up at Dens so I, I agree I think that they will relax a bit more than they would do if the game was at Ibrox and uh, so long as the, the, they don't allow themselves to be bullied and so long as they're prepared to match Dundee physically because Dundee will know that in the back of their mind the last season when they did this although Rangers have got several new players they'll still feel that's a strategy that they can work and uh, if if I can get one thing for my birthday Santa Santa, well Santa's close enough to Christmas but if I can get one thing for my birthday on top of uh, of the wonderful gifts I receive from people uh, can it be Alfredo Morelos to get the winning goal because I I think that that would, would light the like the blue touch paper again as far as he's concerned so yep uh, Stephen and I in agreement you may disagree and obviously we want to hear from you after the match so if you want to get in touch with us um, at Ibrox Rocks on Twitter or you can go to Heart and Hand the Facebook page and just search for Heart and Hand on Facebook and up will pop and chat away to as we try to get back to as many people as we can all that remains for me to do then is to thank our executive producers in London Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers thank my guest today Mr Stephen Smith God bless you David and everybody else that listens to it And thank you all for listening. My name's David Edgar and I'll speak to you again on Monday. Cheers, bye. Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.